0: Let's get started. Our last morning together. Aww. Aww. There are two books I've recommended over in the uh, bookstore book pertaining to our class. One is um, The Sermon on the Mount by Sinclair Ferguson. One of my favorite writers, professors, people in the world. Um, and a book by Dan Doriani. I think it's actually called Sermon on the Mount as well. So... Um, original titles, hard to find. They're on the back, the far... If you walk in, they're on the far right wall. So, by all the Sinclair Ferguson stuff. Um, let me pray for us. We'll get going. God, thanks for this time this morning. Thank you for... Um, uh, this morning as I was on the beach, I was just I'm just thankful for colors. Thankful for the color green and the color blue, however you've made those colors. Thank you that um, they're beautiful. They're distinct, um, fun to look at, they're comforting. Um, Thank you for each person in this room who bears your image, uniquely points to who you are, who uniquely magnifies you. Thank you for a chance to to know each other and to love each other this week. Um, Thank you for a chance to learn together. Guide my words today. Help the ice maker not be mean and too loud. Pray for all the other classes to go well. Um, Bless the speakers. Bless those who are leaving early to travel back and all of us as we head home tomorrow. So in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Alright. We're talking about being like Jesus. How to follow Christ in this world, in an upside-down world. We live an upside-down life, so we're the right-side-up people. We know what reality truly is. We know that poison ivy is valuable. Everyone else doesn't. Alright? Don't go home and pick up poison ivy, by the way. That was an illustration, not not a truth. So, you can if you want to, but it might be kind of painful. Uh, We're talking about trying to pursue Christ, to be like Christ, because the kingdom has come, and trying to live in light of that, and for God's glory is going to make us and lead to some awkward situations, awkward life choices, um, sacrificial choices for your life. You're going to have to forego being the coolest person in school. You're going to have to forego comforts and accomplishments possibly in order to pursue Christ. That's okay, because the more we do these things, and as we do these things, we're identifying more with Jesus. We're becoming more like Christ. We're receiving more comfort um, from God. Um, we're sensing more and more of His presence in our life, His peace in our life, His help in our life. Think about the moments in your life when you've been the most down. Those are probably the moments you've probably felt the most close to God. Alright? Um, we've seen that the kingdom, the ethic, the, king, the currency, the ethic of the kingdom, the things that are valuable in the kingdom are sacrificial. Being poor in spirit, mourning over your sin, being meek. I'm back with the list in a moment. Of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And um, being merciful. Those are all sacrificial things. The kingdom ethic is largely sacrificial. Okay? And so we're going to keep going on that path today as we, as we look at it. And, and also consider that, as we think about sacrificial life, we think the Father was sacrificial. All right, The Father was sacrificial in His love for you and sending His Son. The Son is sacrificial. He gave up His life for you um, and we're called to do the same, to live sacrificial lives. Um, it's what, what Russ has talked about all week long. It's, it's just the sacri- to find peace, it requires sacrifice. Um, God has done it, and because God has done it, we can do it. And so, we're talking about that. Um, we talked about how the world, the ethic of the world is the opposite. The world hates sacrifice. The world hates weakness and meekness. It loves to devour and consume and take and hoard and gather. Um, I think a great picture of that is, the y'all ever watch the show called Hoarders or Buried? Is it called Hoarders, I think? These people in their homes, it's like like on TLC or Discovery Channel, like that. these people, they can't throw trash away because everything has attached significance and identity to everything. And so their house, they fill their houses with with things. I'll give this back to you, I won't make it, I promise. They'll have like teacups all over their house and just piled up to the ceiling, from the floor to the ceiling, and books, there you go, and stuffed animals. And and they're thinking that as they gather all these things and keep them, it's going to give them life and keep them safe. But really what happens is it isolates them and it buries them, and it, and it makes them very hard to love until someone has to come and do an intervention in their life and go, hey, can we please throw away this stuff? Can we please make pathways to walk? Can we throw away old pizza boxes, um, old trinkets, because they're not, they're not life for you? And so, you to watch, we'll go watch The Hoarders on YouTube someday. It's an interesting show and to know that God has delivered us from doing that, being that way in our lives. And I've asked the question what's the payoff? What's the, if, the, if the payoff is awkwardness in this life, and the payoff is sacrifice, why should I walk with Jesus? Eternal life. We Eternal life. should know God. That's the payoff. The payoff is we know God. And that's far more satisfying than anything else this world can offer to us. We know God. We're comforted by God. We become like Jesus. And in knowing those things, we are loving other people. We are lifting their burdens and helping them grow and have comfort and help mercy. I think that, that that's the payoff. That's the far more valuable payoff than avoiding an awkward situation or not having to give up something that we think is going to give us life. And so, good catch. Um, so today we're going to go through the last three character traits. And the first one is found in verse 8. So can somebody please read for me Matthew 58 5, 58. Five, pure in heart for they shall see God. Pure. This is a impure pin. There it goes. I just really want purple to work. It's a fun color. I almost spelled purple. <laughs> that was really hard to do. Or gerpal. Um Pure. Okay. When you think of purity, I want you to think about devotion. Purity of devotion to God. If you have a pure metal, what do you have? What's true of that of that, of that metal? Of that material? It's pure gold. It's pure gold. What does it mean to have that that it's pure gold? It's expensive. It's, it's very valuable. What else? There's nothing else to make. There's nothing else There's not like okra. You know, there's not bacon grease mixed in with this with this pure gold. There's not any other kind of material or, or rock or substance. Um, what else about what else might be true about something that's pure? It's valuable. It's unmixed. It's it's only gold. How about a dog? Go somewhere else. How about like a if a dog is com- it's a complete pure breed? What's true of that dog? Let's say a German Shepherd. What's true of the German Shepherd if it's a pure German shepherd? Yeah. There's not a schnauzer or a terrier or a weenie dog or a crocodile mixed into that to that dog, all right? What else? It can pass on. Yeah. It pa- it's it's highly valuable in, in breeding. For sure. Anything else that's true of like a German Shepherd that's like a pure breed? They're uh, looked at better than I saw. Yeah, they win awards at dog shows yeah. in New York City <laughs> and other places. All right. <laughs> hard to find. Hard to find, yeah. A good hunting dog hard to find. You know, a true hunting dog, a pure breed. Um, we had a dog growing up that was part, I think it was part skunk part dog, part rabbit, because it would like hop, and then it had this like, streak down its back, and it was perfect. It's the only dog I've ever loved in my entire life. Um, his name was Gus, because I landed him after a lonesome dove, and it's raining again, so that's great. Praise the Lord. It's going to be fun playing basketball. I was <laughs> running in the rain, You made it. You're, all, you're aboard the ark. Um, it's going to be fun playing basketball today. Uh, so... So God wants our devotion to be pure. He wants us to be purely devoted to Him. Blessed are those who are purely devoted to God. That means holy, completely, thoroughly, unmixed with doubt. This is what James talks about. And doubt is like wavering, like I trust you God, but maybe not. I trust you, God, but I'm not gonna let go of these other things in my life that are gonna give me life. I trust you, God, that maybe this might be a better alternative. Um, holy and unmixed. That's what God wants our wants our faith to be like. Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, thoroughly, completely, and unmixed. Do you mean like holy or holy? Not holy, holy, holy. Not that, okay. but W. I think that's how you spell it. W. H. O. L. L. Y. What's that? Should <laughs> you write down? Sorry, it's still holy because the whole it's, it's holy. It's it's pure. It's been cleansed, right? The defects of sin have been taken away from it. It's been set apart for God's special purpose, and you and I have been have been made pure and holy. But our faith is to be holy and purely devoted to God. So, how's your faith? Are you wholly, completely, thoroughly resting in Christ alone? Is there something else your heart's longing for? So I, would, I, I want to be right with God, but man, I, I really want to be loved by lots of people, or I really want to be cool, or I really want to have. What's the thing you? What's the thing that you want? What's you know? I want to be beautiful. I want to be thought of as funny. I want to be popular. I want to be friends. I want to be liked and loved. Um, Not that those things are bad, but we find those things in in, in God first and foremost. Um, To be holy or purely devoted to God does not mean to be sinless. David was holy and purely devoted to God, and he still sinned. But when he sinned, he wrote Psalms. He repented. Psalm 51. He, rep- he turned from his sin. He says, God, I am unclean. And I, I turned from my sin. And I, I want to be devoted to You. I want, and he turned away from his sin. And, he, and, he, and God forgave him. And there were still consequences for his sin. Grave consequences for his sin. But he, but his life was one of, of faith and repentance. David's life was one of faith and repentance. It doesn't mean to be sinless. But it means when you know your sin, you turn from it. I am wholly devoted to the greatest thing in the world. Well, my wife. Android phones. I'm sorry for you iPhone people, but Androids are better. And I will never go back to an iPhone. I know you don't agree, and it makes me awkward when I'm in a group and everyone pulls out their iPhones and they're doing their whatever, and I'm like, I got an Android. Makes me happy. <laughs> All right. It does. I love, it. I, love, I love how it does pictures and it does music and I love my calendar most of all. and, and, and it just It's my thing. I'm not going to iPhone. I'm not going to be unmixed in my devotion to Android. I'm not going to get an iPhone. I'm sorry. It's just what I'm going to do. Um, in the same way, I want to be devoted to God. I'm going to, I'm going to trust that God is the one that's going to contain my life, help my life, um, help me have life, and I'm not going to turn away from that. Did you get it? That's a good erasing job. What? Sorry. Sorry. Okay, what does the world say? What's the reward? What's the the reward for those who are pure? It's not this pen. What's the reward for those who are pure and devoted to God? What's the Bible say? (laughs) Oh. That was really funny. Sorry, we'll come back to that. What is never <laughs> it does I'm terrible it will see God those who are pure will see God guys when you are pursuing Christ you see him when you are pursuing Christ you see him you see him in every struggle and hardship and heartache you see him in every season every day you, just, you see God you see the things that God is doing and you see it because God's Delight, delighted to reveal it to you. Um, delighted to show it to you. Um, and your and your, eye, your spiritual eyes, your heart, is open and attuned to it. You can see the kingdom coming. You can see it. You've moved from childlike eyes to mature eyes. A child would run out into the beach today and go, look, a sandy beach with great water and waves. Let's go. And the beach would follow them up and take them out into the ocean. You are mature, all right. You're devoted to safety, so you know that. Okay, yesterday the beach was 20 more yards that way, and today it's up here by the volleyball courts. Something's wrong. I should be careful. Okay, you can see that there's danger. And the same way we can see if we're if we're having our for walking in the power of spirit, we can see the ways in which God is moving. Today I can see that God, you are powerful. You have moved the beach up 20 yards up here. And you, huh? The it's, yeah, it's come up. Because oh. of the storm is pushing the the storm surge up. We're safe. We're safe. Don't worry. For now. Okay. <laughs> Help on the second floor. Help them- <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if not, make friends with somebody who is. <laughs> but don't go in girls' rooms, and guys, don't go in girls' rooms. Um, okay. <laughs> So when you're when we're devoted to God, we see we see His kingdom. We see the ways in which He's moving. We see the way in which He's acting. We see the way in which He's He's working in our life. The things He's bringing into our life. Um, and it's just fun to see. You see the small and subtle and amazing ways God is providing for us, working in our life. And even more than that, you see the way God made you. You see the way God made you to make it even more personal. Like He made me X, Y, and Z for X, Y, and Z, he made me a compassionate person. Not me, but in general, so that I can love other people really, really well. Alright? Told the guy in our youth group, he you are I told this guy, you are great at you can fit in any group. You can hang out with church kids, potheads, athletes, nerds, alright? You can you can fit in any crowd and that is a great blessing that God has given you. And you you are comfortable and you make other people comfortable. And I want you to be an instrument in God's hand for that. You can use that to build your own kingdom up and make lots of friends. Or you can use that gift that God's given you to be a blessing, to be a comforter, a truth teller to other people. Um, I want them to see how God has made him. I want them to see the unique ways and special ways that God has made him and can use him in the, to, to reveal and open up the kingdom of God. What's the What's the opposite of purity? What does the world say? Instead of being devoted to God, what should we be devoted to? To Yes. You should be devoted to your happiness. Your whole life should be about doing whatever makes you happy. Whatever your heart desires, whatever your identity is found in, in that moment... You should be about that. And it is a sin for anyone to prohibit you from doing what your heart desires. Even if it's going to hurt you. It's a sin for me to tell you that this is wrong and hurtful and destructive to your life. Be devoted to yourself. If you feel like a boy today, be a boy. If you feel like a girl today, be a girl you feel like loving this, loving that, love that. All right, whatever you feel like loving, whatever you want to do, be pure. Be devoted to whatever you feel like. Whatever, what's the word, unction, desire you have in that moment, be devoted to that. And if you're devoted to that, what's the payoff? We have fun. It's fun. What does fun mean? What does that mean? It's like You'll have fun. What does that mean in this context? Self-pleasure. Self-pleasure. You'll be satisfied. You'll feel significant. Okay. Excitement. Excitement. No, this is true to an extent, but with the wrong things. What's the end of this? uh, What do we know to be the end of this? What does the Bible tell us? If you're pursuing yourself your whole life, what's the end of that? Death. Spiritual death, physical death, separation from God forever and forever and forever and forever. You can't be both, guys. You can't be devoted to God and devoted to yourself. It's not a bargain you can make with God, hey God, I'll be devoted to you if you give me a really cool pickup truck someday. Or you make me really get me through this or give me that or give me that. When you mix things, they lose their distinctiveness. I love Dr. Pepper, I love it. And my kids love to make me a suicide drink. That's when you mix, like, Coke, Dr. Pepper, Orange Crush, Fruit Punch, Sweet Tea. And so they think they're being really funny, and they'll bring it to me. Here, Dad, here's your Dr. Pepper, and I'll drink it. I'm like, this is not Dr. Pepper, kids. I know, I can tell. It does not have that spiritual, biblical taste that it's supposed to have. Okay? I can tell. When you, when you mix things, they lose their distinctiveness. You, can't, you cannot be both. You cannot mix devotion to God and devotion to self. You can't, it doesn't work. It does not work. I can't be devoted to my wife and another woman. Alright? right, can't do it. So it's going to be awkward. There's going to be sacrifices. I'm going to have to give up this idea of fun, as the world calls it. Alright? You'll be satisfied with God and not with self. Um, But here's the beauty of it, is that Jesus is purely devoted to His Father and to His church. Jesus has unmixed devotion to the Father's glory and to the Father's people, the church. And that makes awkward choices and sacrificial choices worth it. To know that Jesus is purely devoted to mine and yours well being, to your growth in Christ, to your growth and satisfaction in God alone. Not secondary satisfactions, but primary satisfactions. God. God. This week would be far more satisfying when you think about how you grew in Christ. More so than, hey, I had fun playing volleyball. That's fun. But man, it's so much more fun as you look back on this time in your life thinking, I grew so much in my knowledge, understanding, appreciation, just warm fuzzies for Jesus. Okay? Jesus is purely devoted to us. We know that because He died for us. He left the comfort of heaven and came to earth to teach us about God. He underwent death to show His devotion to us, His purity of His devotion to us, not to self. He's at the right hand of the Father now, praying for you, interceding for you, and for the church's well-being, growth, the kingdom to come more and more, to be revealed more and more. What other God is purely devoted to your well-being? The God of self is not devoted to your well-being, it's devoted to itself. what were the Avengers devoted to what were the Avengers who's seen the who's seen end game who's seen it more than once yeah. yeah. What were the Avengers devoted to? What was in the end? What were they most devoted to? Killing Thanos. Huh? Killing Thanos. But why? Because he's a bad guy. And what was the bad guy going to do? Kill, kill everybody. What was telling you go well, to the end? I It's great. They just play football the whole time at the end? No. Yeah, they're devoted to the well-being of the people of Earth, right? They're they're devoted to the well-being of the people of Earth, and so they sacrifice everything to rescue them and and to, to, to give them life. Thanos wanted to create people in his own image to glorify himself in his evil ways. The Avengers wanted to wanted to rest people so they can be happy and grow and know and, and exist and, and be in community with each other. It's a great picture the Avengers are of, of Christ's sacrifice for us. Not that anybody dies, maybe, maybe not. I don't know if you haven't seen it, the popcorn's really good. Alright. What's the next one? Blessed are the what? The peacemakers. Another word in the Bible for peace. It's like the Greek word? Your pastor maybe says it sometimes. That's what most New Testament epistles start off with Shalom. Alright, Shalom. Shalom. What's up? Grace and peace. Shalom. So at the beginning of creation, we'll call it creation. What was the what was peace like between God and man? Perfect. Perfect. What does that mean? Happy. Happy? No sin. No sin. Pure pure. Look at you. 2 points for you. Double Holy Spirit. That's not an option. What else? Relational. Yeah. Harmony. Adam, pet and little lions. What's up, little lion? Okay. What happened at the fall? What happened to the peace between God and man, man and woman, and man and creation at the fall? Yeah. Creation and fall. They sinned. They sinned. What is that? What is that? The fruit of that. Have yeah. sin am I The here. one thing God told them not to do. Shame. <laughs> Shame, they disobey. no longer pure nor sinful. and sin is always relational, so it's against God. So they're now an enemy of God. so there's no peace when you're an enemy, when someone's your enemy, like there's no peace. When we went to war with Iraq, we took lots of tanks not to make new roads, but to kill all of them. Okay, when when you're in a war with somebody, or someone has been in the youth group or your school has been an enemy to you, like they don't work for your well-being, they work for your destruction. We were enemies of God. How about at we'll call it um, redemption when Christ came, when when God made a way for us to be right with Him. But what's the peace like now? If we're in Christ, what's our peace like? beyond all understanding how can a sinner be right with God have fellowship with God pray to God and God hear him and love him and respond to him or her what's the opposite of shame acceptance love maybe trust delight how about in the future how about a new creation what will our, what will our shalom our peace be like with God Perfect again. no more tears no more war No more sadness. Secure. Unmixed. Look, we have a peacemaking God. He made us to be at peace. Through sin, that peace was broken. And now He has pursued that peace again with us and made a way for it in Christ. We have a peacemaking God. You and I are to be peacemakers. We are to pursue shalom for those... Who have fallen? Because they're made in God's image. Because Christ has come. This is a great new creation that awaits us all. Who are in Christ? What to be peacemakers? What to be restorers of peace? Restorers of what is broken? That's what Jesus does. That's what it means by being sons of God. We'll be like Jesus. That's the reward. We'll be becoming more and more like Jesus. The more we are peacemakers. You aren't a peacemaker if you're an avoider. You aren't a peacemaker if you're a bitter powder. Someone hurts you and you're like, I'm cutting them off. I'm cutting them out of my life. I'm shunning them. Because they've hurt me. You're not a peacemaker if you're doing that. This is what God has done. This is what God has done in Christ. This is what God is doing in the Holy Spirit. This is what you and I, little image bearers of God, are to go and do. We're going to do it in two ways. Alright? Peace with God. Again, what Russ has been talking about all week long. Peace with God through Christ. Peace with God through knowing God. Through appreciating God. Through not fighting God. Peace with God through seeking to do His will. Then peace with other people. Peace. This is called evangelism in one way. Sharing the gospel with those who are at odds with God. Those who are stuck in their sin, it's also pursuing their well being. When you go on a mission trip or something and you build a house for somebody or you fix a bathroom for somebody, you are working for their well being. You're restoring peace to them um, and hopefully sharing the gospel with them if, it, if, it, if, it, if God makes a way for that through words. As you do this, you become sons and daughters of God. You become like Christ. Christ is a peacemaker. How did Christ make peace with us? By becoming sin. By taking on our sin. When you seek to make peace with somebody, you've got to get their sin on you. You've got to get their struggles, their hardships on you. Um, that makes us like Christ. And that leads to the last thing. Oh, hold on. What does the world say? <laughs> Instead of being peacemakers, what should we be? Self preservers? Too, too low down there. Self-preservers. We're to, to deny peace to other people. You're to, you're to deny peace. You're to pile on more unrest and hurt and shame and pain in their lives. So that, and, you, and the world says if you do that, you will be happy. But in your wake is just tons of death. Tons of pain. Tons of suffering. And you never actually find it. You never find that peace. You never find that lasting peace. It's awkward to tell, tell someone, I forgive you. It's awkward to say, that's great that you have all these things, but you, you lack the one thing. You lack Christ. That can be an awkward conversation. It, it really can be. That's what God calls us to for His disciples, for following Christ. Peacemaking is not a feeling, it is an action. If you wait for the feeling of peace, you're never really going to have it. You're definitely not going to have it with any kind of consistent basis. Alright? Peacemaking is an action, it's an activity. It's not a feeling. You will never feel like making peace with someone who hates you or who has wronged you, because you will be hurt. Your heart will hurt. You'll probably be crying. You might be angry. Peacemaking is an activity. You have to go and choose to do it. To go and choose to do it. Christ chose to come and make peace with us. So, you, follower of Jesus, have been all these things that we've been called to be. You've been poor in spirit, you've mourned your sin. You've been meek. You've given up your rights. You've hungered and thirsted for righteousness, not worldliness. What? You've been merciful. You've been pure in your devotion to God. You have been a peacemaker. So, lastly, of course, that should result in a happy, happy life. With everyone loving you. But you've forgiven your enemies. You've shown mercy to those who are weak. You've restored those who are broken. That's not how it ends though, is it? Plus, are those who are, what's the last one? Persecuted. And why are they persecuted? Mine is Jesus, not mine, not Brian, Jesus. Persecuted for my sake, for righteousness' sake, for being right, for doing right as God has intended it. Christ was persecuted. Christ healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He gave he brought the death back from life. And because of that, he was persecuted. He was per he was hated. And the world is going to hate you. The world's going to hate you when you love it. Because the world is against God. The world hates God. It's under Satan's influence. The fallen world hates God. So Again the question, why would you want to become like it? Why would you want to become like the world that hates God, that hates rightness and goodness and truth and love and mercy? The choice is yours to be like to be like Christ, to be merciful and poor in spirit, mourning, hungering, thirsting for righteousness, not for Snickers, bars, and coke, Dr. Pepper's, you're fleeting. When you're persecuted, I think you're going to see you learn three things. And persecution comes in a number of ways: being name-called, being talked about, being shunned, losing opportunities. Um, I've got a friend who told his boss, "I don't want to travel for my job because it takes me away from caring for my children and being at church on Sunday mornings." And the boss said, "Great, we want to help you do that." And a week or two later, he was fired. I said, "Nope, you need to be about the company's bottom line and not your family's bottom line." And. He was productive in his job, but he still lost it. He was persecuted. When persecuted, I think we learn three things we learn more about Jesus, we learn what Christ suffered, we know more of Christ, we know what Christ went through, we know how much he loves us, we're identified more with him. Our bond with Christ is strengthened. It's like our tether, we're tethered to Him even more and more. It feels like we, we understand that tethering, that union with Christ. It means you're counted worthy. Those who are weak and whimsical in their faith, they don't really suffer. Their football team might lose, but they aren't persecuted for Jesus' sake. Okay? To be persecuted, you should know that when you're persecuted, you are as Job. You are are counted worthy. You are counted worthy because God wants to show you off to the world around you. He wants to show off your faith and your devotion because He's given you this strength and He'll sustain you in the midst of it. Um, Think about parents with special needs kids. They were counted worthy to be parents of those kids go through all the suffering that a parent has to go through or or a sibling if you have a special needs brother or sister. Like that's a hard life. It's a rewarding life. No one who ever has that ever says I, would, I wouldn't undo it. Um but but man the parents that can do that are amazing to me. Amazing to me. God gave them that great gift. Then lastly, the third, there's there's reward. There's reward in heaven. There's more satisfaction. This isn't like a ribbon or a trophy, like we have rewards in this life. But this is like, this is satisfaction of, man, I was counted worthy to be more and made more and more like Christ. And there's no, it's hard to parse this out. You know, in heaven we're all satisfied, we're all happy. A new creation, we're all we're all rejo- enjoying God and each other. But there's, there's a greater satisfaction and enjoyment and reward when you make heaven your treasure. When you make heaven your treasure. Um, I think it's Luke 4.11. I'm doubting. I'm forgetting where, where it's at now. Shoot. Um, anyway. I want to know Jesus more. I want God to, to pick me. I mean, not like in a selfish way, but I want to be able to... to for God to be like, yeah, that's my servant Brian. And, and I know his faith... And I want, to, I want to be satisfied. Not that I won't be unsatisfied, but there's a, a greater satisfaction um, in heaven. Blessed are those who love others when they're made fun of. Blessed are those who sacrifice when they forgive others. Blessed are those who are persecuted when they seek to become more and more like Jesus. <laughs> okay, last thing. Is the Sermon on the Mount an optional way to live or is it the way to live? the way. How do you treat it? Do you walk out of here going, well, those are some good ideas, some good thoughts, I might do some of them. Or do you walk out of here going, no, these are the words of God, of Jesus, God's only begotten Son, who is ushered in the kingdom, and I'm going to seek to live that way, because Christ has said this is what's valuable, this is what's true, this is what's good, this is what's rewarding. Which which path are you going to follow? Hard path, the narrow path, easy path, the wide path. What do you you think, Jesus? How do you think he views the world? What does the Sermon on the Mount reveal to us about how Jesus views the fallen world? What does the Sermon on the Mount and all the qualities that Christ prescribes for us? What does that reveal to us about how Jesus views the fallen world? Okay, so we to the of the fallen world. Yeah, well, always pulls you in the opposite direction of the kingdom of God. It's always pulling you to the opposite, to be away from God. What else? It's vain. It's fleeting. It's self-preserving, but destructive at the same time for you and other people. But the kingdom of God is not. It pulls you closer to God. It pulls you closer and closer, meaning like understanding your relationship with God. It pulls you into closer community with God and with other people. Um, and it relieves the burdens of other people. It's loving and kind and compassionate and helpful. you live this out, as you seek to live out these, your hope is not in your strength and your ability. The strength, your hope and trust is that God has made you, that Christ has died for you, been raised for you, is praying for you. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you, strengthening you. Paul calls these things the fruit of the Spirit. They're very similar. It's the Spirit working in you. Um... I've had a lot of fun, first off. It's one of my highlights of our time. our time. One of my highlights of our week is our time together. Uh, I hope you walk out of here and you are just awkward people. Awkward for Jesus. hope that as you make awkward choices, as you make sacrifices, you know that you're really not doing that. You're, you're pursuing Christ. You're becoming more and more like Christ. And you're denying this false mirage the world is holding out to you. You're able to expose it and realize that that is not... True, but Christ is. Thank y'all so much for your respect, your attention, participation. Uh, I had a lot of fun. Let me pray for us. We'll be done. God, thanks for this time. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your Son. Thank you that in Christ you have undergone awkwardness and sacrifice for us to know you, to be right with you. Help us now to go and do the same. To be sacrificial in our in our life, to make awkward choices, to know you, and to forego the pleasures, the false pleasures of the world. When we do, when we do, Lord, when we are caught up in the world, Lord, help us to to see it by the power of the Spirit and to repent, to confess, and repent and turn again and again and again and again and again back to you. Thanks for our time. Bless these guys. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.